0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Cloud Accounting Podcast, the audio edition of Cloud Accounting Weekly, a free email update for accountants and controllers using cloud technology to improve efficiencies and make their jobs more strategic and impactful. We are recording live on CPA Academy. If you're interested in listening in live and participating in our broadcast, you're welcome to do so. Just head on over to cpaacademy.org for uh, future uh, recording sessions. Uh, And thanks to everyone uh, who has joined in live today. Uh, Dan, uh, it's snowing, is that in Iowa? Um, uh, It's not snowing here in Los Angeles. It's about 72 degrees. So you're welcome to come and and visit uh, the Flowcast offices in in Sherman Oaks. uh, And I'd be happy to to give you a tour. If you're watching live, you can uh, see behind me, we've got this fancy new startup um, office. We've got about 80 employees here in the Valley, the San Fernando Valley, uh, and I'm, I'm loving it here. So, and, and Jeff, um, we've got Jeff Phillips as our guest today. Jeff, where are you uh, located? Hey, Blake.
1: Um, good afternoon. and Hey to everybody on the call and listening in. Um, Blake, I'm in Pensacola, Florida. So Pensacola okay. is my hometown. It's it's about 70 and sunny and it's, it's perfect today outside. Oh. So I'm very happy.
0: It's funny, you know, I knew that, but then I tend to forget where people are because I, you know, I, I have we even, have we met in person, Jeff? I don't think we have. I think it's only like, been be, on.
1: <laughs> it's a sign of the times yeah. because I consider you a friend and I feel like I know you very well and I've never seen you in person.
0: That's amazing. Well, we're going to have to change absolutely. that some point, sometime in the future. Yes, absolutely. Well... Uh, let's do some formal introductions, shall we? I am Blake Oliver. I am your host today. I am the author of Cloud Accounting Weekly. Uh, I am also a senior product marketing manager at Flowcast, uh, where you can see behind me if you're you're watching live. Uh, We make closed management software that helps accountants close the books faster and more accurately. If you're interested in learning more about Flowcast, check us out at flowcast.com. That's F-L-O-Q-A-S-T.com. And if you want to check out my personal website, visit blakeoliver.com. And you can also tweet at me at Blake T. Oliver. But enough about me. My guest today is who I'm interested in. It's Jeff Phillips. He's the CEO of Accounting Fly, an all-in-one solution for hiring accounting and finance talent. So if you're looking for an accounting job or looking to fill a position in your firm, be sure to check out AccountingFly at AccountingFly.com. So uh, Jeff, thanks again for joining me today. It's great to have you.
1: It's great to be here and um, I'll, I'll tell you one other thing. We, uh, it, it, it strikes me how few people realize this, but Fly is the parent organization of Going Concern, which is, um, some people kind of laugh when they realize that, but um, we love Going Concern. I've got actually a great Going Concern article in here in a second. And uh, it's been a a fun ride being a a website publisher over the past two and a half years. That's a job description I never knew I was going to have, but I'm looking (laughs) forward to this. Blake, thanks for having me. Yeah,
0: it's great to have you. And and I've been an avid reader of Going Concern uh, ever since I started uh, my new, or I should say my uh, second career in accounting, which was, I guess, back in 2010 at this point. And I think, how long has the site been around? It's been around for quite a while, right?
1: yeah the the great Caleb newquist started going concern, and I think it was in o nine or or two thousand and ten so uh-huh. you you would have you would have sort of started your career along when along
0: with going concern well, that's great um, well, why don't we get straight to it right? um so yeah. this this podcast cloud accounting podcast is all about what's new in the uh, world of accounting technology and and modern accounting firms and so uh, as usual, uh, my guest and I have selected. Uh, a few of our top stories from the past few weeks, and we're gonna share those with you today, and let's talk about them. So first, these are the four drivers of workaholism. Uh, This article about workaholism appeared in Fast Company in February, uh, and um, this really uh, stuck out to me. Um, I am not a fan of workaholism. Uh, I see the tendencies uh, in myself toward it. and uh, so I highly recommend everyone check this out. Um, the, the link will be in the show notes, of course, and you can see the URL at the bottom of your screen if you're watching live. Um, basically, the the gist of this article is that um, research shows that workaholism doesn't actually make people more productive than uh, non-workaholics. Um, and so this, this need to be working all the time um, is, is not healthy, right? And um, it, it doesn't actually have to do with engagement, right? Um, people who are workaholics feel compelled to work um, simply because they feel like they should be working and not doing anything else. Um, I, saw, I saw this in my days in public accounting um, and I'm interested, Jeff, um, in, you know, in, in your insights about this, I mean, I'm sure you get plenty of people who are, say, in in big four and probably have those tendencies, right? And they're looking to make a change um, when they when they come to you uh, in terms of, you know, finding a, a healthier work-life balance, that sort of thing. Um,
1: oh, that's, a, that's a great point. It's ironic we're actually talking about this article in the middle of busy season. I imagine that people, some people are probably listening to, you, to your podcast, Blake, Um are looking for a little escape from from the busy time but w- what what was compelling to me about this article what I found interesting was uh, um, I thought I knew what workaholism was and then I, I read the article workaholism doesn't mean you work long hours it means you feel compelled to work because of internal pressures and, oh. and so you're constantly working and and and, sh- and uh, and you can you can work long hours and not be a workaholic. It, it's it's really about what's going on inside your head and, and what what you're. It's not about it's not about work. I think it's about mistaken beliefs. And and I think while the definition is it's internal pressures. Yeah, that, I mean look at the culture. I think that's probably in public accounting. Um, there's a lot of external pressures that that are going to make you believe that you ought to work, or you're or you're going to get in trouble. You know. And so yeah, that's a conversation we have. Every yeah. day, you know, it's uh, also a reason we our people look for jobs. They don't apply to jobs during busy season, but they start looking for jobs um, at, a, at a higher clip during busy season than they do the rest of the year. So if you're, you know, if, if, if you're, uh, if you're an employer, you, you think about that. There's your, your staff might be looking for jobs, looking for the way out during busy season. So how you, how you, how you handling this as an employer is super important.
0: Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I mean, knowing, and I, I I, always thought that my father was a workaholic, right? Um, or at least I called him one because he would just constantly working at his home office or his office. Uh, but I realized he's actually not by this definition because he was engaged in his job. He owned his own business. He loved it, right? He worked because he didn't have any hobbies. His work was his hobby, right? And that's different. This, yes. is, this is like you're not happy, right? But you work because you feel like... Um, you can't mentally disengage from work. There, there are four categories of workaholism, right? In this article, there's the motivational. So those are the people that feel compelled to work because of the pressure to um, uh, feel like they should be working all the time to achieve, right? There's the cognitive. That's uh, people who can't turn off the work side of their brain. They just are always thinking about it. Uh, there's the emotional, right? People who Experience negative emotions and anxiety and guilt when they aren't working, uh, and then there's the behavioral, which is actually this is probably the most like public accounting, which is people who work beyond what is expected of them by their organization because they, you know, they want to be better than everyone else, right? Hmm. Um, none of those were like my dad, um, but I definitely see those tendencies in myself. So I think it's I think it's really like it's important as employers uh, that people that 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 firms. Actively discourage workaholism, right? Because your employees will burn out. So, right. what are what are some ways? Like, are there any ways that firms can 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 help their employees achieve, you know, better, like not become workaholics? This
1: because the definition was not what I thought. That's that's where my mind went as well. Is is how do we change our beliefs about work? <clears throat> I bet I bet you everyone talking on this podcast and listening to this podcast has some degree of of this of workaholism um or at least i know i do and i and i identified the one that i have which is one you go home and think about your work all the time you worry wow. and so the the so I, so my take is the solution has to start with yourself it has to start with what do you believe about work and um and it's not as though you can you know you, you go in the other the other extreme end and say work work exists to make you happy and to give you you know joy all the time it's not that way it's always a challenge but <clears throat> you've got to be engaged with it and I think you've got you've, you've got to sort of evaluate why do you go to work and why do you work as hard as you do and what are you believing about your boss and about your company what's going to happen to you. Um, and, and maybe, you know, the one thing you can do as an employer is not create toxic work environments, mm-hmm. is understand that there are humans that are working and, and try to uh, honor that through whatever HR policies you're going to have. But I, I know workaholics at super flexible companies, yeah. and I know um, engaged and happy people at, you know, incredibly demanding over the top type A companies. It's, I, think, I think it's going to have to start with conversations with yourself. And, um, and one of the other things that I, I had that really came up was there is a point where you can – you are, if you're working so much, you, you begin to have diminishing returns on your own productivity. So working 24 hours a day isn't productive. You know. And so you, you, you have to sort of figure this out for yourself, I think. And I really believe it starts with, with, with the beliefs you have about
0: your, your career, your job, and where you work. Good points, definitely. Um, another another uh, uh, thing that I've, I've heard of, um, one thing I've heard of firms doing that, that is helpful is mandatory vacation requirements, right? <clears throat> so that, like the opposite of, you know, of giving people uh, the option of taking vacation is, is actually require them to do it. Because a lot of people who are workaholics will just never take their vacation, right? So right. Not, not only good from an internal controls perspective, but also good from like actually, you know, showing that your team that it's important to take time off
1: right well so so I'll I'll follow up on that too is it when when the leaders inside a company take time off and they make a big deal about it you know so a company we're going to talk about in another article um, Gusto one thing I learned from their leadership team is they go on vacations and then they they send back you know social media posts or pictures to the team and that the tone that sets is hey it's okay to take time off here. We're not gonna judge you for taking those a lot of days. Yeah. Um, I, ha- I hadn't heard of mandatory, but I love that as a, as a, as a, as a policy, and because, because you, we're all guilty of it, of probably not taking, most people, we did a compensation survey this year, and almost no one takes all of their a lot of vacation time. Okay, almost no one does. And so by making some of that mandatory, you are going to have some balance in your, in your, in your life, in your team's life. That's, that's really it.
0: Great points. Uh, so the next story that we're going to discuss is something that you've brought, Jeff. Uh, I'll let you introduce this topic.
1: Yeah. So this article is, is actually an article and a podcast. Um, it's called meetings are toxic. And so I, I immediately clung onto this article and um and wanted to learn more but this was in signal versus noise which is the blog written by the company um, Basecamp formerly I love that blog Signals. yeah oh my gosh it, yes that's uh, Blake's endorsement is all you need to go check out signal be noise
0: <laughs> well a great company um, this, too
1: right this is this is uh, Basecamp um, yeah. the company that uh, Jason Freed founded and as a as, as, as a knowledge worker and then later I became an entrepreneur I, I read everything the, the, him and, and uh, his, his partners put out and I encourage everybody to do it. So Basecamp also has a podcast called rework. And if you know anybody from this company, they're, they're very alternative in how they approach work. And it's so refreshing. It's like, they like they never took venture capital. They only were, they were profitable from day one. And mm-hmm. Very, very proud of that. They don't have set office hours. Um, there's it's completely remote. They don't have meetings. And that's and that's what leads us to this
0: yeah. article meetings and talking talk, so, talk. So, so let's talk about that because I uh, am not a fan of meetings and I don't I take it that you are not as well. So what what what's bad about meetings?
1: So what's what's bad about meetings, and they actually had some great horror stories on uh in the podcast of just eight-hour remote meetings over Skype across different time zones, you know, that were just, you had to bring food and, and water to the meeting just to make it through the meeting.
0: I think um, I would quit my job right then and there. Somebody made me attend an eight-hour meeting on, on yeah. video chat or something like that.
1: Well, and the... and. So, so most, most of the horror stories came from remote teams, and, and there was this fear of CEOs or what are my remote employees doing? I need to have meetings in order to rein them in and not feel so insecure about what they're doing. But what, what they it what they down to was, one, recurring meetings are really a problem because meetings should happen when people need to discuss and, and truly communicate and solve a problem and hash something out. But what are recurring meetings? Recurring meetings are usually updates of information that everybody in that room could just read, you know, in in a Slack channel or yep. uh, on a Google Doc. And so um, they they talked about uh, how these recurring meetings were just kind of ruining ruining the lives of your teams. And and we have a recurring meeting, and I read that going, I'm going to end this recurring meeting, my team meeting. Everything I can do can be can be disseminated over a uh, um, over some sort of Google Doc or whatever. But the other problem was meetings should be applicable to everybody in the meeting. In other words, if you're having a meeting where you're primarily discussing marketing, does the mm. development team really need to be in that meeting? No. And aren't you just robbing them time from, from you know, creative work? And so I don't care if you're, you know, if you're in finance or accounting or you're in creative work or engineering, You're you're at your best when you have long and uninterrupted swaths of time. Yes. And so if if a meeting is nothing but an interruption and and it could be accomplished some other way, what they're saying is, shouldn't you consider that?
0: Well, and the thing about recurring meetings that uh, really bugs me is that, um, and we, you know, this happens here at Flowcast is uh, we have, we have a recurring uh, marketing meeting every week on Wednesdays and people instead of, Talking about something on Monday they'll put it on the agenda for Wednesday and two days will go by when nothing happens because they feel like they have to have something to talk about in the meeting right right
1: what would you recommend them do instead so if the meeting didn't happen
0: yeah then well, what? so we use a tool called Asana here uh, for our marketing efforts and um, Asana um, is you know Task management, project management, and collaboration. So I'm trying, I'm working on the team to get us to use that tool more, right? So every pro- every project should be in Asana as a project. And if you need to talk to somebody about something, create a conversation in Asana, right? Uh, it takes it out of email. People can still get email notifications if they want about these messages. They don't have to, uh, and it associates it in that project. So rather than waiting until a weekly status update meeting to bring up something, create a topic to create a discussion thread right there, whenever you know, right when you need to, and then people can respond asynchronously when it's convenient for them. I'm a big fan of that. Um, it's hard; it's very difficult to change people's habits, though. Right. Even when you so. don't agree,
1: even when you hate meetings, it's hard yeah. to end meetings. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm so like I'm so guilty of that, but I'm I'm gonna make a public commitment right now. <laughs>
0: Uh-oh. <laughs> um I'm gonna have to have you back so we can find out if this worked or not.
1: I think you should because we're gonna make this move. Um so towards the end of the podcast, they interviewed a CEO who had started a who'd started a laundry company in Minneapolis, but he'd worked at McKinsey before that. And he said, you know, he really was trying to get away from any kind of meeting at his company because of the asynchronous conversations that can happen where, you know, like Trello or Asana or whatever. Um, when I'm working on my piece, I can put my comments, my update and be a good writer and put it in here. And then the next person has their piece of work and the next mm-hmm. person has their piece of work. So this this and this man was talking about how what made him sick about meetings was when companies were having meetings to talk about meetings. It's have a meeting to talk about when we're going to have a meeting. Well, this this guy says, you know, when he was at McKinsey, he was a big fan of problem-solving sessions and you know, thoughtful, real communication where that you're solving challenges that, that require the full group's brain power. What a great idea for a meeting. And, and so when one of my colleagues at Accounting Fly actually recommended this recently, he said, let's kill our team call. All it is is an update. And let's work together on Friday mornings or maybe even Friday all day and, and tackle the, the biggest company-wide problem that we can. And we'll have development. We'll have marketing. We'll have customer service and we'll have the leadership team and everybody. And just have a problem-solving work session. Mm, I love that. And if we, if we have a problem to solve, we'll tackle it. If we don't, we won't meet. And so some of the rules that I took away from this were all, only meet when necessary, only have the people who should be in the meeting. They're the only people that are needed and keep it as short as possible. And you don't have and, and, and have them when it works for everybody's schedule, not um, just sort of a Friday at nine status. So the commitment yeah. I'm making publicly is um, we're going to end our team call that we have on Friday mornings and we'll meet when we need to, and we're going to we're gonna start the problem-solving session. So bring me on in six months. I'm going to let you know if I was able to commit to that or not.
0: Oh, I love it. I love it. That's so great. You're definitely coming back then.
1: <laughs> yeah, now I, I'm asking you just so you'll hold me accountable.
0: Excellent. Awesome. So story number three on the list is, uh, I love this. So this is about one of my favorite companies. This is Gusto, the payroll and HR company. Uh, back in my days when I owned my own Small accounting firm. I was one of the early Gusto users um, when they were like a team of twelve uh, out of uh, San Francisco. So this story appeared in February in Forbes. It's called the tech unicorn that went for women engineers. Here's how it worked out. Uh, and basically, it's it's a story about how Gusto did something that a lot of tech firms just can't seem to do, which is uh, a female engineer was was you know upset that. Um, she was the only female on a team of how many was it? Uh, 17, I think engineers, she was the only woman. And she said, Hey, uh, she went to one of the founders and said, her name's Julia Lee. She said, we got to do something about this. This isn't, this isn't even representative of the number of female engineers in the industry. And, uh, rather than, um, just sort of say, Oh, we got a lot to do. You know, we're a startup. We can't focus on this, um, um, Gusto took this to heart and said, "We're going to do something about it." And um, the article details some uh, steps that Gusto took to address this issue. And they went from six percent to twenty-one percent women engineers in in uh, less than a year, I believe. So some of the things they did, uh, and this is applicable, I think, to accounting as well. Right? We have a a a big problem with uh, there not being enough women in partner positions in accounting firms. Right? So how do you how do you How do you fix that? Um, So uh, Gusto did things like rewrote their job descriptions to avoid masculine phrases like ninja rock star. Ninja rock star. I love that. Uh, And (laughs) definitely it didn't even occur to me that, you know, women wouldn't be attracted to that type of job. But, yeah, it it makes sense, right? Um, For a six-month period in in 2015, the company devoted 100% of its engineering recruitment efforts to women. Uh, they published a, bro- a blog post about uh, that made Gusto's diversity numbers public and broadcast its goal about hiring more women engineers. So, Jeff, like your public commitment to reduce the number of uh, status update meetings, Gusto made a public commitment to increase its diversity. Um, they hired two in-house recruiters, and then they also uh, looked at – they had an outside uh, consultant look at their compensation policy to make sure that it wasn't discriminatory. Um and they also have, you know, really good um, paid leave for a primary parent and all that, that sort of thing. So, took really meaningful steps, I think, um, to uh, what address a, that. What
1: a great article! Yeah, I love Gusto. I mean, just, just the, the uh, my takeaways from this was one, diversity in your team is a winning strategy, uh, and, and, and two, the, the other. Uh, Takeaway that you can apply to the accounting world is, you know, accounting is a recruiting company, and we, we we talk to accounting companies, accounting firms, and companies in their finance departments every day. And recruiting the right people isn't as simple as posting a job. Gusto made a major commitment to recruiting the best talent, and they made it, they treated it like this campaign. And and they sold out for it. I mean, it was all or nothing, and they didn't have immediate success either. I mean, the the article basically says, you know, at first it wasn't really working, but by the end of it, you know, the national average is 18% female in computer science programs. Gusto has 21% uh, female in their teams. It took a major commitment to changing the, the the talent and and really getting that talent in the door what a what a wonderful way to win the hearts of your team is is by showing is by the, the the CTO who did this you know just yeah. to say we're making this a serious priority for us cuz we we're with you this is important
0: i think it's fantastic and and what's great is now that they've got this base of of you know women in their engineering team it's going to be much easier for them in the future to recruit huh. Well, absolutely. Let me get one other comment on Gusto. I mean, this is a company that
1: really lives its values, and I think a lot of people don't understand. And I'm 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 with you. I I don't understand sometimes how values translate into company performance. Um, I'm sure they're on your website, but Gusto has real values and hires on those values, and and gives their team members an incentive to like participate and. Be rewarded by living out their values. They're real words, and they have meaning. And and do the right thing is one of them. And this is this is you know Edward Kim living out one of the values of Gusto. Well done. Uh, cool.
0: All right. So here's our fourth and final news story for the uh, podcast episode. Uh, uh, Jeff, this is one of yours, so I'll let you take it take it away.
1: Yeah. So this is uh, this is from Going Concern. And, um, of course, a selfish plug by me, but this is from March the 2nd, and it's called How to Be a Part of the Team Even When Re- Working Remotely. Um, and I think it's important because in accounting, you are seeing the, the beginning days of remote accounting work. You know, we're, we're at the starting point. We're at the long tail of this, and it's, it's definitely changing. But even among cloud accounting firms, Blake, I think it's something like 25% are actually remote. And that's that's a <clears throat> that's that's a Phillips number, not not uh, a, a fact, but but that's that'd be my best guess. But the fact is, is that gig and remote are on the rise. If you're an accountant or you're an accounting leader, you're probably going to be making remote hires in the not too distant future, and it can get pretty darn isolating for team members. So uh, Grant Hutchinson, who's one of the writers on Going Concern. Um, put talk to some different cloud accounting firm operators and sort of ask, what are you doing to building culture uh, among remote talent? And it turns out it's, it's a lot of making sure you're just building culture in general, you know, Mm -hmm. which a lot of companies aren't doing, but a couple of things that I thought were great takeaways were, you know, you want to prevent isolation and um, you know, Slack is this interesting tool for, for us because I thought Slack would be this, uh, you, you don't want Slack to replace your email. You know, Slack needs to be like, like when you don't, with, just below needing a meeting, you could probably work something out on Slack when you need synchronous communication. But Slack is really great for water cooler communication and, and and you know, throwing mm-hmm. out a fun fun gift for the team when when, you know, something good or something bad happened. There's a lot of bonding and and sort of teamwork that can happen just by using a, the right Slack or uh, some sort of chat. And he also talked about team bonding. Team bonding is an app that you can actually integrate um, in, and do some team bonding activities. There's an app called Team Bonding, so you may want to check that out.
0: Oh, interesting. What is it? Is it just if I search Team Bonding on Google, I'll, I'll find that?
1: Yeah. So one um, of one of the one of the, uh, the folks in the article recommended using this app called team bonding as a way of, uh, of something that, you're, that, that creates like games and fun activities for remote workers to to plug in together over email, yeah. over Slack and over this app.
0: So um, something relevant to this whole discussion, you mentioned Slack. Um, uh, some, some, some new apps have come out recently like Slack uh, that I think will pr- hopefully persuade more firms to adopt team chat tools. Um, last year, Microsoft released Microsoft Teams, which is okay. their their version of uh, Slack. And it's included in, I think, almost all Office 365 subscriptions. So if your firm is on Office 365, you've now got Microsoft Teams included at no charge. Um, so I, I highly recommend folks give that a try um, as a way to to uh, bridge the gap, say, with remote employees and, and bring that water cooler culture. Um and m- more recently, um, I don't know if you'd heard about this, Jeff. Is Google released their own version? They're all Google and Microsoft are very scared yeah. of Slack right now. Um, it's called Hangouts Chat, and that actually happened. I think it was just um, just recently, um, uh, might have been this week. And um, that again, it, it creates this chant, these channels, the persistent channels where people can chat, um, not just one-off conversations. So now, really, there's no excuse. Right, if to to use a tool like that.
1: That's right, I, it, and I think what this is what this is speaking to is how do we build culture in remote teams? Mm-hmm. And and I think these chat these chat tools are definitely one of them. Um, be careful, don't let it turn into your email. You don't want it to to uh, just it kill you the way email kills you. So so be be diligent. But I was going to ask you, Blake. I mean, you've you've worked and you, you're, you know, Flowcast is, is uh, a flexible place mm-hmm. to work and you've been in the cloud accounting firm situations. I mean, like, what are your thoughts on building culture inside remote companies?
0: Yeah, it's interesting. So, um, like, my, my firm that I built um, and sold was a completely virtual bookkeeping company. Um, and then um, we merged with a CPA firm that was completely virtual. So that was interesting, you know, th- four years for me. Because I work primarily from my home office, Mm -hmm. and I have to admit that uh, I did start to feel a bit disconnected from team members, especially ones that I wasn't working with on a day-to-day basis. And so uh, we would uh, do annual get-togethers. That helped, but I would I would have loved it if we could have done quarterly. I think that's really important: is to get everyone together and and be willing to spend the money. Um, And one thing that I think can mitigate that. Cost is if you um, take a hybrid approach to your firm, and you you say we're going to allow remote work, but everybody has to be in a certain region. Um, That's the model that Catching Clouds uses, right? Everybody is in the greater Denver area, but they can all get together in a matter of a few hours if they need to, right? Right. Which which I think is sort of the optimal setup. Um, It works really well too because you 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 know exponentially increase your pool of applicants right jobs if you offer that remote setup in a in a greater metro area. Like in LA, I mean LA is humongous, right? What's twelve million people. So if I had a yeah. in LA I could do a hybrid approach and you know reach a pretty substantial number of people.
1: Hybrid approach is interesting because yeah. it, it that's what we do and we're kind of a mix. We have an office. You can come to the office. I don't expect you to come to the office. I don't. I have no expectations of a nine to five in the office workday. I come to the office, but I come to the office because that's my preferred way to work. Um, that's that's how I'm the most the most uh, productive. Quarterly get-togethers is a is a definite a culture builder. I would say too. This is kind of a funny one, but you know, if you use Zoom for your team calls, put it in the gallery view so that everybody kind of has an equal square or an equal box inside a conference call. And it's not like, um, we, we learned this the hard way we had like the team in Pensacola in a conference room and we were doing, we were dominating the talking and like our our remote employees felt like they were second-class citizens. So zoom gallery equalized everything. And we also, we even do zoom happy hours and it's kind of corny, but, um, it, it, it's funny that that, that goes that, that starts to build a little bit of that team bonding um, or, or sort of you know bridges the gap between the quarterly get-togethers for sure. Yep. There's some things you can do to build culture.
0: Well and I'm a, I'm a gamer, I don't know if you knew that Jeff. Um, I did not. And so my brother and I, um, he lives in New York City and I live here in LA. So the only way that we really hang out outside of Thanksgiving and Christmas and summer break for him because he's a teacher is uh, we play uh, games online. Right. So we get on our headsets, we get on Rocket League or something like that, and we play for, you know, 30 minutes at night. Um, There's no reason why if you have like a team that's into that, you can't do that, too. And, you know, I know there's probably firm owners or people who work in firms listening right now. They're like, I would never play video games with my team, Um, but it doesn't have to be like first person shooters. It could be, you know, words with friends. Right. It can be these casual games and you could create a tournament or something like that in your in your firm. And that's a way to 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 increase culture. It's a, it's a great suggestion.
1: And I think I think the, the, the bottom line is that you. Yeah, it's harder. It's harder uh, to to uh, create some culture, but it's also a necessary thing. And um, you might as well start trying, trying different ways to, to build team and because uh, you don't want to lose your talent.
0: Well, great points there. And, um, that's it for the, uh, news component of the, the podcast. And Jeff, I wanted to give you the opportunity to talk a little bit about your projects, what you're working on and what accounting fly is. Um, my, you know, I, I don't know if I mentioned this, I can't, uh, at the beginning, but, uh, uh, one of my firms that I worked for used accounting fly for, and still does, right? Uh, HPC mm-hmm. is a big uh, accounting fly recruiter. And, um, um, I thought we got some great hires out of, out of you guys. So, um, I'm everyone listening, please take a look, um, at, at, accounting fly and Jeff, you know, what, what, what should they know? I suppose. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the, uh, one thing
1: I wanted to tell everybody about was I just, we just published a video with, uh, with, with Bruce Phillips from HPC he's the CEO and, it was a video that we just we just put on our YouTube channel. So you can just go to YouTube and search accounting fly. It's The most recent video, but it's an interview with Bruce talking about what what is a cloud accounting firm, what are the career opportunities inside accounting cloud accounting firms, and and what um, how do you know if you're qualified or sort of capable of doing remote accounting work? What are the advantages? And you know Bruce is great. Bruce is a visionary, and uh, I love talking to Bruce, and so we were able to have a conversation, capture it, and, and put it on on uh, on YouTube. So. Please check that out. It's it's super valuable. But, you know, we've been around for five years. Uh, We we merged with Going Concern two years ago. Um, We're a digital staffing agency. And while we have placed CPAs at companies as large as Facebook and as small as, you know, one partner accounting firms, where we see our future is cloud accounting, um, building cloud accounting teams. And that's a, which by the way, Blake, this conversation you and I have have had in the past, mm-hmm. what's a cloud accounting team? And you know, I think I think three years from now, my clients will be coming to us to find them in-house managers, you know, who are working uh, in in you know a highly flexible office, but but committed to like a location and committed to an accounting firm. Our clients will be and on that same team would be a remote. CPA who's in another city but just has a specialty and uh, connected with the mission of the firm. And if that same team would be a gig economy worker who uh, is is in in house on a project because mm-hmm. they have a certain expertise and all working together to serve a client. Um, part remote, part in person. To me, that that's what a cloud accounting team looks like. And and you know, for us, I think I think a year from now, 90% of the jobs that we're serving and we're working are remote or cloud. Accounting firms,
0: cloud team jobs. Well, and you told me an f- amazing stat recently when we were talking about this that um, the, that the the cloud or hybrid um, job postings, meaning uh, postings where people don't have to be in the office every day, get substantially more applicants than than traditional in-house, you know, in-office jobs, right? Like what what? <laughs> how much is it? It's it's uh, it's an absurd multiple
1: yeah I'm gonna tell you two crazy statistics that are eye-opening for us Um, a a remote or hybrid we call a hybrid like catching clouds Uh, you you need to be in Denver but you can work from home that's a hybrid job Um, a remote or a hybrid accounting job will get seven times the applicants that a traditional um, in an office CPA firm job would get that's pretty important because we're in a time where, yeah, you ask most managing partners, they would say, "I can't hire anybody. I can't find talent." Mm-hmm. Uh, we're in this great—we, you know, I've heard it called a crisis. I don't think that's that off, far off. Well, there is, there are options. You can, you can hire, uh, you can hire freelancers. You can hire remotely, and you can start to change the way you operate your firm and start thinking about the cloud and, and build remote teams. We also, um, we, we did a heat map on a recent um, email, so we have a list of forty thousand. Um, on our on our, our recruitment email list, we sent an email with a handful of jobs to the list recently, and so checked on what they clicked. You now there are five jobs listed, and like the first four jobs were office jobs. They had like 0.01 click through or something like that. The remote job, which is at a teeny tiny cloud accounting firm in Denver, um, 41% of the clicks were on that job. Wow. What is the talent interested in? Yep, I ask I you. <laughs>
0: Isn't that crazy? Well, and and this lines up exactly with my own experience. Um, and I'll tell you, uh, uh, my, my wife is a perfect example of this, right? So she's also a millennial. Um, she works for actually a very large company. She works for Anthem Blue Cross mm-hmm. uh, in, in marketing. Um, and you wouldn't believe it, but Anthem is actually very progressive with its remote work policies. And her team is distributed around the country. Uh, she has a, an office she's assigned to, but she doesn't actually have to go there. Um, now, wow. I know for a fact in, in that, that you know Samantha could make 20% more easily if she went out and looked for a, a different job in L.A., given the market here. She has no interest in doing so because she loves the flexibility that she's offered. Right. She has an office she can go to, doesn't have to do it, can work from home, Uh, really helps being a mom. Right. Not having those set nine to five hours. Uh, She works with a team that's on the East Coast. Uh, Half of her team is on the East Coast. So like they don't have nine to five set up. It's really just get your work done and be available during the day for meetings. And uh, she is so happy. So she's 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 not on the accounting side, but it's, it's exactly the mentality of of. You know, she would never even consider going back to a traditional job. Go
1: back to the to the uh, the
0: the meetings are toxic article,
1: and one of the fears of going remote is uh, that wouldn't work here, and and why wouldn't work here? Here being public accounting, let's say, or or, uh, or or an accounting teams, and and really it boils down to sort of the same reason why they were having these crazy meetings. You know the 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 leaders' fear of what the the person who's offered flexibility is doing, and there are ways to manage that. Um, Your wife is probably a better employee and a more loyal employee. You just you just proved it because this very large corporation she works for has given her flexibility and
0: responsibility. Yeah, they trust her. They trust her. They don't make her track her time. Yeah, and this is this is a creative. Agency inside of an insurance company, right? So these are people that you would typically think could not work remotely, right? Least of all, because they do creative work, and yet they can do it. So if, if they can do it, accountants can do it, right? That's that's I I challenge anyone listening to tell me why accountants can't work remotely when a creative agency can do it.
1: Right? Well, first of all, that's hilarious, and and. And secondly, you and I both know that accountants can do it because you and I know a lot of accounting firms and and companies that hire accountants that yeah. are absolutely crushing it and doing that. And they're running circles around the competition.
0: And, and I think that that the folks who are not convinced, um, the reason is that they, they haven't seen what technology can do to enable remote work. And I think that's the key, right? If you don't have project management software in in place if you don't have collaboration software in place it's impossible to do it via email i mean it's impossible to be you know productive in an office if you're just using email right so so i think that's what what people really need to look at is getting those systems in place uh shameless self-promotion closed management software helps you do that for an internal accounting department right It's, it's it's the same concept is as you know something as simple as base camp which we were talking about earlier just specialized right um and 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 so you combine those two things right you combine the flexibility and the technology and you get really really happy employees that aren't going to leave right. yeah you
1: know? and you just gave the perfect example of somebody who who, who verified that theory
0: awesome well um I don't think we have any Q&A today. I I think we uh, we must just be so good, Jeff, that we have (coughs) answered everyone's questions already. We've anticipated them. So thank you to everyone who joined in live. Really appreciate you listening. Uh, Again, I'm Blake Oliver at Flowcast. My guest today was Jeff Phillips of Accounting Fly. If you're interested in getting more updates about cloud accounting, please consider subscribing to Cloud Accounting Weekly at cloudaccountingweekly.com or visit flowcast.com. And uh, don't forget, you can check out Jeff's company, AccountingFly, at accountingfly.com. Jeff, thanks for coming again. And, uh, and everyone, thanks for listening. Matt, back to you.